Thank you guys so, so much for leading us this morning. Um, Daryl, thank you for that picture of Charlie standing before Jesus as we're singing about. I'm jealous. Standing. I know. That's jealous. so awesome. I mean, you know, there's, I mean, we, we're the ones who grieve because he's, you know, we're missing him. But what an awesome day for him. And uh, to be able to stand before God, that's awesome. Um, We're going to talk more about standing uh, before God actually in the message here in just a couple of minutes. But before we do that, I want to just give you a couple of highlights of things that are going on, things to to celebrate here. First of all, those of you who are new with us this morning, maybe you have never tuned in to Grace Point uh, before. We would love uh, the opportunity to welcome you to Grace Point. And so there's a number there on your screen. 267-291-0855. If you would text the word welcome to that number, then uh, that'll put us in touch with you and we can give you some more information about the church, help you get tied into our social media and just stay on top of everything that is going on. We'd love to, to do that with you. I want to celebrate our Easter offering. So the last couple of weeks we've been talking about Easter offering. That is going to help provide food for Syrian refugees in Lebanon in the area of our focus where we're, we are looking forward to heading as soon as the doors open. We're looking forward to going there and being there on the ground. But in the meantime, we're helping to fund some, some ministry initiatives there. And as Daryl mentioned in his prayer, uh, $6,700 has come in for that Easter offering. And we're so grateful. I'm so encouraged by your generosity that even during this season when I know some some financial things are getting tight and for some of you getting very difficult, uh, just super excited to see your gutsy generosity continuing. I do want to remind you that our general fund continues to need your steady stewardship. So while we're not seeing people here um, in the room, ministry is still going forward. And I'm encouraged to tell you that uh, like on YouTube, an, an average of 150 homes are tuning in. So probably tuned in right now. And then on Facebook, an average of about 80 people. And so if we, if we take those 80, 80 homes, I should say. And so if we take those and multiply those out, because we know there's more than one person in each of your homes watching, we're estimating that probably a good 600 or so people are tuning in live for us on Sunday mornings. And then we know that people are watching that more even during the week. We're getting a lot more views. So a lot of a lot of great ministry is happening. Meanwhile, our staff is, is reaching out and, and making personal touches with people throughout the week. So a lot of ministry is continuing forward. Our general fund continues to need support. We are cutting back expenses every possible way we can do. We're still looking towards the end of this fiscal year at the end of June. We're expecting probably to be in the red just because uh, giving has gone down just a little bit. So we encourage you. We want to encourage you to continue with your steady stewardship. Uh, supporting the ministry that God is doing. One last highlight, and that is one last thing for you to know. Um, Next Sunday, as the first day of the month, we will be doing communion together. So I encourage you to do your best this week to come buy some some grape juice, come buy some some crackers, and uh, make sure you have those ready next Sunday morning because we will be taking communion together. I don't know about you, but during this whole COVID chaos experience that we are in, I I am finding some things surfacing in me that I really don't like. And I I had an experience uh, last week getting takeout that was was kind of a low point for me in in all of this. Uh, It was Friday evening. 
And as a family, we've said, hey, about once a week, we want to support our, our local restaurants. And so we want to do takeout. And so on Friday afternoon, I, I said, okay, you know, we, we decided where we were going to order from. And then I was tasked with the responsibility of going around and getting everybody's order. And it was getting late on Friday by the time I actually got the order in. But I put the order in online. And then I drove to the restaurant to pick it up. And that's where the chaos just kind of ensued. And so I'm, I'm walking in, and I, I had no idea. There was no line, and so I didn't know where to get in line to go up and tell them I'm here to pick up my order. And, of course, I went in expecting that my order is going to be right there in a bag ready for me to pick up. But I'm walking in, don't know how to get up to the counter. All these people are scattered around. There's, there's no social distancing really going on. It's hard to find a spot to stand where you're not the right distance from the next person. So I stood there for a while and tried to figure out what the system was that was going on and how I could get in the queue. And I realized that there, there just wasn't one. And I saw people coming in after me who went up to the counter before me. And I, I'm just going to confess to you, I was like, I'm not okay with that at this point. Because by this point, I was, I was getting pretty hungry. I'm, and, of course, I'm thinking of my family back home, you know, who is very hungry and I need to get the food back to them. So I started, I had to just force my way into the line to, to get up to the counter. And long story short, I finally got up to the counter, told them my name. Then the search began for my food and they started going through all the boxes and bags and stuff of food. And it was evident that there was just no system for this. There were no names on the bags or anything. And I had to keep looking through them multiple times to see whose they were. And I'm standing there getting more and more frustrated. I'm standing there again, like the whole distancing thing. I'm thinking I'm too close to these people. I'm analyzing their masks and I'm going, this, this is just not, not good. And I'm having a lot of thoughts and a lot of responses internally at that moment that normally I wouldn't have, but I was just thinking, man, you know, and I'm looking at people and I'm thinking, my order is more important than your order and I hope mine gets up here. Anyway, come to find out, they never got my order. And so I got up there and they're like, I'm sorry, we we never got it. Do you want to wait? And I'm like, no. You know, it's been it's been 30 minutes already. I'm not waiting any longer. That whole ordeal. And so I go home hungry, angry, and and I, I'm telling you, I could justify all of that anger and all the thoughts that I'm thinking because I'm thinking about all these people and how you know I'm coming up with stories about how selfish they are and how I deserve my food more than they do and 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 the man, the manager of the store, what's up with that? And I'm just I'm thinking of all these things. And I could totally justify every one of them. But reflecting on that whole instance a day or two later, I was reminded of Jesus saying that he called us to love others as he loved us. And when I look at how Jesus loved us, and and I think of Jesus in his hardest moments... Still loving people. Jesus on the cross, praying for his enemies. I mean, I'm standing in this store. I mean, these people are not my enemies. But Jesus, his enemies who put him on the cross, he's praying, Father, forgive them. What kind of love is this? And I'm seeing Jesus' example of love, and I'm thinking, wow, I have really, I've, I've blown it. And, and there are times where I have to face the facts that I, I'm a mess. 
and I, I can't fix myself. Like, I just can't will those feelings away. I mean, I was standing there in that store thinking I should be better than this, but I wasn't. And I'm, there, there are moments like that where I can't fix myself. And while I could, might justify it, the, the truth is that God does not grade on a curve. And so he doesn't let me off the hook so easy. I mean, you may be watching this morning, and maybe that's your impression of God. Maybe that's your hope that God is like that, that, that God grades on the curve. And as long as I'm not as bad as the person next to me, that he's, he's going to be, oh, okay, you're okay. I'll let you through. But God's standard is so much higher than that. And Jesus' command to us to love consistently as he loved us, his command still stands. And so I, I want to think about this morning, what, what do we do? How do we make things right when we have really blown it with God? How do we reconcile? That's what we're going to be talking about today. How do we reconcile with God? And, and the good news is that as we look at this this morning, we're going to discover not just how to, to get right for what's in the past, but it actually helps prevent us from messing up as much in the future. So if you have a Bible, would you turn to Colossians chapter 1? That's where we're going to be this morning. Colossians 1, starting in verse 21. My, uh, my daughter, we're, we're taking this very slow walk through the book of Colossians. And my daughter pointed out to me last week when I got home, she said, we're still in chapter 1. And I'm like, yep, that's right. That's right. We're taking a slow walk through the, the book of Colossians. There's so much good stuff in here. Last week, we looked at a song about Jesus. And we saw that uh, Jesus deserves first place because Jesus is creator of all. He is ruler of all. And he is reconciler of all. And last week, the verses that we looked at, in fact, I, let's, let's just review these, uh, just a couple of verses before where we're going to start today. Starting in verse 19. This is just a little review from last week. For in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. So last week we talked about reconciliation uh, on a cosmic scale. One, one day, what Jesus did is adequate to reconcile all things, all of creation, all the brokenness of creation, all the, the virus-ridden creation that we have. It's what Jesus did is enough to reconcile that back to, to peace with God. But today what we're going to look at is what reconciliation looks like personally. So let's read on in verse 21. And you, who once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. What we have in these verses is three sets of triplets. There's three sets of triplets that look at our past and our present and our future. And so we're going to look at these uh, one at a time. Uh, we're going to look at the past 
first. This is where we once were. That's what we see in verse 21. And you who once were alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. That's, that's the triplet that describes our past. We are alienated, hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. The, the word alienated has the idea of estranged. So I wonder if you have ever been estranged from someone. It, it, it means you know, to have a breach in your relationship, to have a, a separation. My oldest brother was estranged from our family for, for many, many years. He said some things, did some things. Other family members said some things, did some things. And there was a breach in, in the relationship there. And so that went on for many, many years. And there came a point where, where the other siblings, uh, my other brother, my sister and I, we, we came to a point where we said, you know what, we're, we're ready to put this behind us. And we reached out to him. And he wasn't ready. He, he was still angry, just had a lot of, lot of stuff there. And so for more years, we, we're all reaching out and, and we're, we're hoping for a reconciliation. And he just wasn't ready. And then the day came when he was ready. And just about a year ago, it'll be a year ago in, in May, my, my brother, my sister and I took a trip out to Wisconsin to spend the weekend with, with my oldest brother. And we had such, such an amazing time, uh, such an amazing time putting the past behind us and, and being able to, to experience a reconciliation and, and a bond that we really had never experienced in, in our, our life together. And that was such, such a precious moment. And it was doubly precious because my oldest brother actually ended up passing away just about a month after that. And we were so thankful that we had that opportunity to to no longer be estranged, no longer be alienated. When, when you and I fall short of what God asks us to do, we, we, there's a breach in our relationship with him. The, there is an alienation. There, there is an estrangement in us. And, and the problem, the biggest problem with that is not only, and, and this is true of the whole human race, so not only are we all in the same boat of being alienated from God, but, but in our minds, we're, we're hostile in mind. We're not even wanting to make things right at that moment. And so God has to do something to break in, and, and fortunately, he did. And so that's what we find out. Um, in verse 22, that Christ took the initiative. In verse 22, it says, Christ has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. So that is our second triplet. That is where you and I get to be. We get to be holy and blameless and above reproach before him because, because Christ has reconciled. That's what bridges the gap here because Christ reconciled us. This is really interesting language here that Christ reconciled in his body of flesh. He, he did that himself. It's, it's interesting language 
Because usually when we think of reconciliation, reconciliation is a two-way street. Reconciliation requires participation on both parties. Forgiveness is a one, can be a one-way street. Forgiveness can be unilateral. You can, and in fact you must, forgive people who harm you, who, who hurt you, who offend you. God, God says, you must forgive them as I have forgiven you. I, I think forgiveness is really hardly even at all about the other person that hurts you. Forgiveness is really about our relationship with God and how we handle the other person who hurt us. Forgiveness can be one way, but reconciliation usually is two-way. I mean, you can't really reconcile with someone else unless they're agreeable to, to reconcile. And unless they apologize for what they've done or we apologize back and, and forth. But this is interesting language because this says... Christ has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death. He has reconciled us. It's like somehow he accomplished both parts. He's so powerful. He is able to do that. He moves us from rebellion to reconciliation. And he changes our standing. And he he did that through his sacrifice by his death on the cross because he paid the penalty for our sin. Paul says this in another letter, the, the, uh, the letter of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 21. He says, for our sake, God made him, made Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. So Christ took our penalty on himself so that we might become the righteousness of God. That's the standing that we have before him. See, that's the point that I hope you take away today, is that Christ reconciled us so that we can stand. So that we can stand before him. The the idea of standing is, is legal language. So if you picture the idea of standing in a courtroom before a judge... If you and I stand before God as our judge in the courtroom of eternity... We will be declared guilty based on what we have done. You and I have no case. If I go in and I, I have to stand trial for my attitudes and, and the things that I was thinking about the people in that store and some of the things that I've even said to my family over the last couple of weeks that I'm not proud of. If I had to stand before God and give an account for that, I am guilty and I have no case before him. But because of what Christ has done. Because he paid the penalty for me. I can stand before God, holy, blameless, above reproach. Please note that it says at the end of verse 22 that we are above reproach before him. Okay? This doesn't mean you're going to be above reproach before people who are around you. Because I guarantee you, you can always find somebody who's going to find something to reproach you about. Okay? So this is not about that. This is about our standing before God. And here's what's so amazing about what Christ has done for us. If we put this in financial terms, then our debt because of our sin would be on an order that there's no possible way we can repay it. So I'm going to say our debt would be on the order of something like a billion dollars. 
If I said a million, some of you might actually be able to repay that. So I'm going to just go for a billion. And I doubt that any of us would be able to repay that kind of debt in, in a lifetime. So what Christ does by paying the penalty for our debt is he brings our account from a negative $1 billion to zero. That's what he does by paying our debt. But he goes beyond that. And he actually credits to our account a billion dollars that we have to draw on. Because we now get credited to him, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, we, we might become the righteousness of God. And so now because of Christ's reconciliation, he is to present us, we are now able to be presented before God holy, blameless, above reproach. That, that is our present in God's eyes as we have trusted Christ to be the payment for our sin. But Christ's reconciliation goes beyond the hope for our present and into our future, and that's what we see in verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. So our future triplet, what we have to look forward to, is that we are stable, we are steadfast, we are not shifting, And the reason for that is because we continue in the faith. As we continue in the faith, in the hope of the gospel. And so let me say a word here about verse 23 and how it talks about if we continue in the faith. So when we see that word if, we might think that means maybe. That means, well, I sure hope we do. Actually, in the Greek construction, that is a first-class condition, which means it's assumed to be true. So another way we could say that is since we continue in the faith. Since you continue in the faith, and actually the word continue is in the perfect tense, so it's a done deal. So there's an assumption here that we are going to be stable and steadfast and not Shifting, which is a real reassurance to me, because I'll be honest with you, when the ground around me is shifting, I sometimes worry about whether I'm going to shift with it. And so for Paul to speak confidence into these people in Colossae to say, I'm confident that you will be stable, you will be steadfast, you will not shift, that, that had to really boost their, their confidence, again, in what Christ has done. It's interesting that the area where the, the town of Colossae was located, was they, they had earthquakes there with some, some regularity. So these people knew what the ground shifting underneath them meant and felt like. But they, they could have confidence in what Christ has, has done. I want to just address a question that may come to mind as, as we're talking about, that, talking about this. And that is that you may know someone who once was following Jesus, but now doesn't seem to be. It seems like their life was not stable, steadfast, and that they did shift. And so we, we might have the question, you know, is it possible to, to have a, a real faith at one point, but, but it does fall away? Paul indicates that there are people who will fall away from the faith. In, in another letter he wrote, First Timothy, 
chapter 4, he, he says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times some will depart from the faith. So we know that that, that is a possibility. That, that does happen. But what Paul does is he, he continues to focus. And this is, what, this is what we need to do if we see someone in our life that seems to be falling away. And, we, and, and I don't want to get hung up on deciding, well, were they saved before and now they're no longer saved? And I mean, that, all of that, quite honestly, that is God's department. That is above my pay grade. But here's what we can do. We can do what Paul did. And that is to continue to call the people that we care about to obedience and to put their faith fully in who Christ is. I mean, as, as, as we talk about shifting, not shifting, it, it reminds me of the theme that we have, have labeled this whole series that we're, we're doing. Solid ground in a shifting world. And we said the very first week of, of this series that our solid ground is not a principle and it's not a practice. It's not a principle we believe. It's not a practice that we do. It's a person. It's a person that we hold on to. And that's why all of this is, is so important because you and I, we, we are going to fall short in our practices We're even going to fall short in the things that we believe at times. And that's why it's so important to have all of our faith in Christ. Because he got it right 100% of the time. And he says, if you trust in me, I I will credit to you, I will impute to you the righteousness that I achieved. At Grace Point, our our mission is to help more people become fully committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we need to not make the mistake that fully committed follower looks like we are flawless and, and that we're going for people who look like they're doing the right thing all the time because that, we're not going to achieve that this side of heaven. What fully committed follower means is that I'm, a fully, I'm fully committed to following Jesus and trusting, I'm putting all my trust in him and that he achieved what needed to be done. And that is what gives me hope that in the future I can be more stable, more steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Because the hope of the, the, hope of the gospel is not that you're okay the way you are. The hope of the gospel is, is not that you can do it, just gut it out. The hope of the gospel is that You and I, even though we can't do it, and even though we're not okay as we are, Christ did it. And he says, trust me, and I will take care of your account when you stand before me. Paul wrote this to the Philippian church. He said, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. When we have confidence about our future, when we, when we can look forward to being stable, steadfast, not shifting, it helps us through the trials of today. That, that's kind of like the situation we're in with, with COVID. It's like when we have confidence, when we hold on to confidence one day, this is going to all be in the past. We're going to be looking back on this as a memory, and we're going to see how God brought us through it. When we look forward to that future, it helps us to endure and persevere in the present. And we can just broaden that to our whole Christian life experience of following Jesus. As we look forward to ending well, because 
Paul is assuming that is what's going to happen, then it helps us make the right choices, make God-honoring, Christ-honoring choices in the present. And so, so the, the, the full idea that I hope you take away with today is that Christ reconciled you so that you can stand and keep standing. Christ reconciled us. He brought us from here to bring us to a place where we can stand and we can keep standing. We can have confidence in that. So I have an assignment for you this week. I want you to pick one of these words. Not, not these words. Okay, don't pick these words. We do these by naturally. I want you to pick one of these words. And, and probably, honestly, the word that maybe feels the least like it applies to you. And I want you to grab hold of that word for this week. And I want you to keep it in front of you. Keep it in front of you. Put it on a note card. Write it on your mirror um, in the, where you get yourself ready in the morning. I don't, do people still get themselves ready in the morning? I, I don't know because, I mean, we're just getting on Zoom calls and stuff and you can't really see that much. Anyway, wherever, wherever, put it in front of you somewhere. Put it on the lock screen of your phone and keep that word in front of you, reminding yourself that this is, this is who I am. So if my word is blameless, that is my word, blameless, because sometimes I just feel very blameworthy. So, I want to put that word in front of me with the reminder that this is what Jesus says I am. This is what God says I am because of what Jesus did for me. I'm not blameless because I'm blameless in actuality, but this is how God sees me because of what Jesus did for me. Grab hold of one of those words this week. Some of you watching this may be still here you may be right here and you know you, you haven't moved beyond that at this point. And so I want to pray for us in just a moment and encourage you to pray with me. Because here, here's the good news for you this morning. You don't have to clean this up before you come to Jesus. The, the reality is you can't clean this up before you come to Jesus. You can just come to Jesus and say, here's my mess. Here's my sin. I need you to take it away and make me like this. And he's able to do that. Let's pray to him. Father, thank you for the amazing work that you have done for us on our behalf through the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, I, I want to pray right now for someone who is watching this, who recognizes, yeah, I am alienated. I feel alienated from God. And I actually, if I'm honest, I'm a little hostile in my mind towards him. And I'm not, I'm not sure how to bridge this gap. I'm doing evil deeds and I know I can't stop those things. And I, and, and I need help. And so I just, I want to pray and I want to invite you, if that's your heart this morning, I want to invite you to pray with me. Um, dear God, thank you for sending Jesus to live a perfect life that I could not live so he could pay the penalty of a debt that he did not owe so that I could have credited to my account what I do not deserve. If you pray that prayer, Christ comes into your life to transform you and give you a power that you didn't have before and he credits to you the righteousness of himself. 
And Father, I pray for, for those of us who've been walking with Christ for a long time, and so many of us many times fall back into trying to do it ourselves, failing to recognize the, the resources you have made available to us. Jesus, we thank you freshly for what you've done. Help us to walk in your reconciliation. Help us to walk in the faith of the, the hope of the gospel. And, and help us, Lord, to become more like Jesus as we follow him more closely, we pray in his name. Amen. Thank you guys for joining us this morning. There are some discussion questions. If you want to process this further uh, with your family even, there's discussion questions that are available there on our live stream page. And also there's some other family resources for you to engage your kids with. Um, and so have a great week following Jesus. We will look forward to, to seeing you virtually again next week.